0: It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the Skald Circle to listen to the tale of Hildur, the Queen of the Elves from Icelandic folklore as told by Casimir. Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new tales for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release on every other Saturday. Find out when you can hear them on our website, at thescaldcircle.com, and be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. And this is the tale of Hildur, the Queen of the Elves from Icelandic folklore as told by Casimir. Once in a mountainous district, there lived a certain farmer whose name and that of his farm have not been handed down to us. So he cannot tell them. He was unmarried and had a housekeeper named Thildur, concerning whose family and descent he knew nothing whatever. She had all the indoor affairs of the farm under her charge and managed them wondrous well. All the inmates of the house, the farmer himself to boot, were fond of her, as she was clean and thrifty in her habits and kind and gentle in speech. Everything about the place flourished exceedingly, but the farmer always found the greatest difficulty in hiring a herdsman, a very important matter as the well-being of the farm depended not a little on the care taken of the sheep. This difficulty did not arise from any fault of the farmer's own, or from neglect on the part of the housekeeper to the comforts of the servants, but from the fact that no herdsman who entered his service lived for more than a year, each one being found, without fail, dead in his bed on the morning of Christmas Day. No wonder, therefore, the farmer found herdsmen scarce. In those times it was the custom of the country to spend the night of Christmas Eve at the church and this occasion for service was looked upon as a very solemn one. But so far from this farm was the church that the herdsmen, who did not return from their flocks till late in the evening, were unable to go to it on that night until long after the usual time. And as for Hilda, she always remained behind to take care of the house, and always had so much to do in the way of cleaning the rooms and dealing out the rations for the servants that the family used to come home from church and go to bed long before she had finished her work and was able to go to bed herself. The more the reports of the death of herdsmen after herdsmen on the night of Christmas eve were spread about, the greater became the difficulty the farmer had in finding one. Although it was never supposed for an instant that violence was used towards the men, as no mark had ever been found on the bodies, and as moreover there was no one to suspect. At length the farmer declared his conscience would no longer let him hire men in order that they might die. So he determined in the future to let luck take care of his sheep for the sheep take care of themselves. Not long after he had made this determination, a bold and hearty-looking man came to him and made him a proffer of his services. The farmer said, My good friend, I am not in great need of your services as to hire you. The man asked him, Have you then taken a herdsman for this winter? The farmer said, No, for I suppose you know what a terrible fate has hitherto befallen every one I have hired before. I have heard of it, said the other but the fear of it shall neither trouble me nor prevent my keeping your sheep this winter for you. If you'll but make up your mind, take me. But the farmer would not hear of it at first, for he said, It is a pity indeed that so fine a fellow as you could lose your chance at life. Be gone, if you are wise, and get work elsewhere. Yet still the man declared again and again that he cared not a whit for the terrors of Christmas Eve and still urged the farmer to hire him. At length the farmer consented in answer to the man's urgent prayer, to take him as a herdsman. And very well they agreed together, for everyone high and low liked the man, as he was honest and open and zealous in everything he laid his hands to, and willing to do anyone a good turn, if need were. On Christmas Eve, towards nightfall, the farmer and all his family went, as had been before declared to be the custom, to church, except for Hilda, who remained behind to look after the household matters, and the herdsman, who could not leave his sheep in time. Late in the evening, the latter, as usual, returned home, and after having eaten his supper, he went to bed. As soon as he was well between the sheets, the remembrance struck him of what had befallen all the farmer herdsmen in his position on the same evening, and he thought it would be the best plan for him to be awake, and thus ready for any accident, though he was mighty little troubled with fear. Quite late at night, he heard the farmer and his family return from church, enter the house, and having taken supper, go to bed. Still nothing happened, except that whenever he closed his eyes for a moment, a strange and deadly faintness stole over him, which only acted as one reason the more for his doing his best to keep awake. Shortly after he had become aware of these feelings, he heard someone creep stealthily up to the side of his bed, and looking through the gloom at the figure, he fancied he recognized Hilda, the housekeeper. So he feigned to be fast asleep, and felt her place something in his mouth, which he knew instantly to be the bit of a magic bridle and yet allowed her to fix it on him, without moving. When she fastened the bridle, she dragged him from his bed with it, and out of the farmhouse, without his being able or willing to make the least resistance. Then, mounting on his back, she made him rise up from the ground, as if on wings, and rode him through the air, till they arrived at a huge and awful precipice, which yawned like a great well down into the earth. She dismounted at a large stone, and fastened the reins to it, "'and leapt into the precipice. "'But the herdsman, "'objecting strongly to being tied to the stone all night "'and thinking to himself "'that would be no bad thing to know what became of the woman, "'tried to escape bridle and all from the stone. "'This he found, however, to be impossible, "'for as long as the bit was in his mouth "'he was quite powerless to get away. "'So he managed, after a short struggle, "'to get the bridle off his head, "'and having done so, "'leapt into the precipice, "'down which he had seen Hilda disappear.' After sinking for a long, long time, he caught a glimpse of Hilda beneath him, and at length they came to a beautiful green meadow. From all this the man guessed that Hilda was by no means a common mortal, as she had before made believe to be, and feared if he were to follow her along the green fields and she turn round and catch sight of him, he might, not unlikely, pay for his curiosity with his life. So he took a magic stone which he'd always carried about him the nature of which was to make him invisible, when he held it in his palm, and placing it in the hollow of his hand, ran after her with all his strength. When they had gone some way along the meadows, a splendid palace rose before them. With the way to which Hilda seemed perfectly well acquainted, at her approach a great crowd of people came forth from the doors and saluted Hilda with respect and joy. Foremost of these walked a man of kingly and noble aspect, whose salutations seemed to be that of a lover or a husband. All the rest bowed to her, as if she were their queen. This man was accompanied by two children who ran up to Hilda, calling her mother, and embraced her. After the people had welcomed their queen, they all returned to the palace, where they dressed her in royal robes, loaded her hands with costly rings and bracelets. The herdsman followed the crowd, and posted himself where he would be least in the way of the company, but where he could catch sight easily of all that passed and lose nothing. So gorgeous and dazzling were the hangings of the hall and silver and golden vessels on the table that he thought he would never in all his life before seen the light, and not to mention the wonderful dishes and wines which seemed plentiful here and which only by the look of them filled his mouth with water, while he would much rather have filled it with something else. After he had waited a little time, Hilda appeared in the hall and all the assembled guests were begged to take their seats, while Hildur sat on her throne beside the king, after which all the people of the court ranged themselves on each side of the royal couple, and the feast commenced. When it was concluded, the various guests amused themselves, some by dancing, some by singing, others by drinking and revel. But the king and queen talked together, and seemed to the herdsmen to be very sad. While they were thus conversing, three children younger than those the man had seen before ran in and clung round the neck of their mother. Hilda received them with all of a mother's love, and as the youngest was restless, put it on the ground and gave it one of her rings to play with. After the little one had played a while with the ring, he lost it, and it rolled along the floor towards the herdsman, who, being invisible, picked it up without being perceived and put it carefully into his pocket. Of course, all the search for it by the guests was in vain. When the night was far advanced, Hilda made preparations for departure, at which all the people assembled showed great sorrow and begged her to remain longer. The herdsman had observed that in one corner of the hall sat an old and ugly woman, who had neither received the queen with joy nor pressed her to stay longer. As soon as the king had perceived that Hilda had dressed herself to her journey, that neither his entreaties nor those of the assembled could induce her to stay, he went up to the old woman and said to her, "'Mother, rid us now of thy curse. Cause no longer my queen to live apart and afar from me. Surely her short and rare visits are more pain to me than joy.' The old woman answered him with a wrathful face, "'Never will I depart from what I have said. My words shall hold true in all their force, and on no condition will I abolish my curse.' On this the king turned from her, and going to his wife entreated her in the fondest and most loving terms, not to depart from him. The queen answered, The infernal power of thy mother's curse forces me to go, and perchance this may be the last time I shall see thee. For lying as I do under this horrible ban, it is not possible that my constant murders can remain a much longer secret, and that I must suffer the full penalty of the crimes which I have committed against my will. While she was thus speaking, the herdsman sped from the palace and across the field to the precipice on which he had mounted as rapidly as he had come down, thanks to the magic stone. When he arrived at the rock, he put the stone into his pocket and the bridle over his head again and waited for the coming of the Elf Queen. He had not long to wait, for very soon afterwards Hildur came up from the abyss and mounted on his back and off they flew again to the farmhouse, where Hildur, taking the bridle from his head, "'placed him again in his bed, and retired to her own. "'The herdsman, who by this time was well tired out, "'now considered it safe to go to sleep, which he did, "'so soundly as not to wake till quite late on Christmas morning. "'Early that same day the farmer rose agitated and filled with fear, "'instead of passing in Christmas joy. "'He should assuredly, as he had so often had before, "'find his herdsman dead, and pass it in sorrow and mourning.' So he and all the rest of the family went to the bedside of the herdsman. When the farmer had looked at him and found him breathing, he praised the Lord aloud for his mercy in preserving the man from death. Not long afterwards, the man awoke and got up. Wondering at his strange preservation, the farmer asked how he had passed the night and whether he had seen or heard anything. The man replied, No, but I had a very curious dream. What was it? asked the farmer upon which the man related everything that had passed in the night, circumstance for circumstance and word for word, as well as he could remember. And when he had finished his story, everyone was silent with wonder, except for Hildur, who went up to him and said, I declare you to be a liar in all you have said unless you can prove it by sure evidence. Not in the least abashed, the herdman took from his pocket the ring which he had picked up on the floor in the hall of Elfland. And showing it to her, he said, Though my dream needs no proof, yet here is one you will not doubtless deem other than a sure one, for is this not your gold ring, Queen Hilda? Hilda answered, "It is no doubt my ring. Happy man, you prosper in all you undertake. You have released me from the awful yoke which my mother-in-law laid in her wrath upon me, and from the curse of a yearly murder." And then Hilda told the story of her life as follows. I was born of an obscure family among the elves. Our king fell in love with me and married me in spite of the strong disapproval of his mother. She swore an eternal hatred to me in her anger against her son and said to him, Short shall be your joy with this fair wife of yours, for you shall see her but once a year and that only expense of a murder. This is my curse upon her, and it shall be carried out to the letter. She shall go and serve in the upper world, this queen and every Christmas Eve shall ride a man, one of her fellow-servants with this magic bridle, to the confines of Elfland, where she shall pass a few hours with you, and then ride him back again till his very heart breaks with the toil, and his very life leaves him. Let her thus enjoy her queenship. And this horrible fate was to cling to me until I shall either have these murders brought home to me and be condemned to death, or I shall meet with a gallant man like this herdsman, who should have the nerve and courage to follow me into Elfland and be able to prove afterwards that he had been there with me and seen the customs of my people. And now I must confess that all the former herdsmen were slain by me, but no penalty shall touch me for these murders as I committed them against my will. And as for you, O courageous man, who have dared the first of human beings to explore the realms of Elfland and who have freed me from the yoke of this awful curse, I will reward you in times to come, but not now. A deep longing for my home and my loved one impels me hence. Farewell. With these words, Hilda vanished from sight of the astonished people. and was never seen again. But our friend the herdsman, leaving the service of the farmer, built a farm for himself and prospered, and became one of the chief men in the country, and always ascribed with grateful thanks his prosperity to Hilda, Queen of the Elves. And that is the tale of Kildur, the queen of the elves from Icelandic folklore. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page, as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us, to keep these stories alive for generations to come. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your podcast app, and leave us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we wouldn't be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit theScaldCircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have ever told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening to our story.